Good morning. I extend to you the greetings that you've already received and welcome you to First Presbyterian Church. Whether you're visiting or a longtime covenant partner, we're so glad to be worshiping with you all today. For those who don't know me, my name is Becky Pritchard. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it is a privilege and a blessing and a great joy to share the word of the Lord with you today. As Bob mentioned earlier, today is Pentecost Sunday, and a not a whole lot changes, as he said, but you'll notice one thing if you're very um, detail-oriented. You'll notice we have a few changes up here. This is one of the only Sundays in the year where we um, show the red pyramid. If you didn't grow up in a Presbyterian church or you're not familiar with the liturgical calendar, red is the color for Pentecost. And as Bob mentioned earlier, in Acts 2, we read about the Holy Spirit coming on the disciples. It was like a loud rushing wind and fire appeared above their heads as the Holy Spirit descended upon them. So today we wear red to give glory to God, to celebrate his Holy Spirit. These are subtle things you may or may not notice about our church. In fact, kids, those of you who are in the room, it's a fun game each Sunday to come and guess. You can play with your siblings which color the pyramid will be that day. As you learn about the liturgical calendar, you could Google it, really. But each Sunday, it changes. So if you notice, when we do celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we have white signifying Christ's washing away of our sins and his holy cleansing power. On, in ordinary times, we might have anybody know? Green. That's right. Green is the color of our ordinary times. During Lent and Advent, it's purple. So the colors change to signify the liturgical season. And today, it is red. So what a blessed day that we have today to celebrate and to read the Word of God as we finish our sermon series from the book of Luke. We have been studying Luke all spring semester, and as we finish it up today, we'll be looking at the final chapter, Luke 24, the last few verses, as we see what the Lord has, is saying to us today. But don't forget to join us this summer. Next week begins a new sermon series entitled Make a Joyful Noise, where we will be looking at the psalms and spiritual songs of scripture. So all summer long, we'll still be here, and we hope that you'll join us when you're in and out of town. You can watch online and join us live with our live stream if you're away, but we hope that you'll continue to worship with us through this summer. So I invite you to open your Bibles. There's a pew Bible in your pews, or you brought, if you brought one, open that, or you can look up to the screens. We're looking, like I said, at Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. Hear the word of the Lord. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. 
but stay in the city until you are clothed with, with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So as you know, the last few weeks, we've studied the narrative of the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. If you've missed the last couple weeks, we've looked at how Jesus appeared to a couple of disciples walking about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. We saw a sad and confused pair of disciples that didn't know the meaning of the empty tomb. It was on Resurrection Sunday that the tomb was found empty, and they were confused and sad, and they didn't know what would happen next. Jesus encountered them on the road and tried to get them to understand God's plan and promises. He does this by reminding them of Scripture, pointing them back to the words that they knew so well. They didn't recognize him until finally they sat at the table together with the risen Lord and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And after they did so, they ran to tell the others. They couldn't wait to tell everybody else that the risen Christ had come, that he was there with them. And they shared this with the rest of the disciples, that he was alive. And in verses 36 to 43, the ones just right before the passage we read today, Jesus appears to the rest of the disciples. They're shocked to see him. Imagine their shock. Put yourself there for a moment. And Jesus appears. He'd been dead and now he's standing there. And he asks them, why are you troubled? Well, I'm troubled because you were dead a few days, just, just a few days before. They were shocked to see this man who had died and was standing before them. And in order to prove that he was the true risen Lord. He showed him the wounds on his hands and his feet, and they gave him fish for breakfast. You can imagine the surprise of the disciples. Jesus is standing there. He was dead, but now he is alive. And what does Jesus do? He begins to teach, just as he did before he was crucified. Where we pick up in verse 44 today, we see Jesus reminds the disciples once again of the words that he has already spoken while he was still with them before he died. Just like he did with the two folks on the way to Emmaus, he brings them back to the words of Scripture. Again, these were Hebrew Christians, ones that were following Christ and had studied the Scriptures, the Torah, the prophets, and all of the, the Psalms that had come before. So he reminds them of what they had already knew and studied. He says in verse 44 that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. What was prophesied must be fulfilled. And then listen to this part. This is so good. Are you ready? Verse 45. 
Jesus then opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Have you ever read a scripture and you're just sitting there going, now what? You have to read it over and over again. Maybe it's um, Leviticus. Maybe it's a book of the Bible that just doesn't seem relevant to your life today. And you kind of read it and read it and you pray that God might reveal to you what he really means. In this, we hear, we see that Jesus opened the minds of the disciples so that they might understand the scriptures in a new way. So that they can understand the full scope of God's promises that were made true in Christ's life and death and resurrection, the disciples finally were able to see. They hadn't understood the full picture. They didn't understand that what was prophesied was actually true and that Jesus' life, his suffering, his death was actually part of the plan. It wasn't a mistake. It was what God had intended. I want you to think back for a moment. Think back to a time when you were in school. Now, kids in the room, this may not be too far off, although you're in summer mode, so you may have forgotten everything you learned this year. But think about a time when you were in a class that was really difficult for you. For me, that would have been math and science. Something that maybe I couldn't quite get. Think about a teacher that was trying so hard to explain to you like stoichiometry. If you're a chemist in here, I see one back there, that might make a lot of sense to you. For the rest of us, it might be a little confusing. And the teacher tries and tries to explain it to you and teach you just about what this complex subject is, and you cannot get it. You just can't get it. And you struggle, and you're frustrated, and it doesn't click with the way that your mind works. And then suddenly, maybe you have a tutor or a friend, a parent, a family member, somebody that explains it in just a little bit of a different way. And all of a sudden, the light bulb comes on, right? Everything that you'd learned before and everything that you will learn from then on, it all finally makes sense. Have you been there? Just me? Right? When that light comes on and you're like, oh, it makes sense. Everything's easier now. I have a different perspective. I can see the veil has been removed and now I understand and I'm still going to make a C in the class. But at least I passed, right? But it's like the disciples here, they just, they knew the promises of God. They had read them. They had memorized them. This is what they had been to schooling for. They'd followed Jesus for the three years of his ministry. They were no strangers to what was to come. And yet when it happened, they're going, huh? How? What? It defied human law. It defined, it defied everything that they knew. But Jesus was the one to remove the veil so that they could see the entire picture and understand God's plan and his promises. And now they see. And because now they see, Jesus continues in verse 46. They have a job to do. He writes, or he says, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name, to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses to these things. They finally understand what all of this is for, what Christ's suffering and death meant for their freedom from sin, that through repentance, they would be able to experience new life. 
that this was good news and Jesus was telling them, now that you see, go and share this so that others might see. Starting in Jerusalem where all of this has happened and moving beyond to the rest of the world, we see in Acts, Luke says this again, starting in Jerusalem and then going to Samaria and to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. This is good news. It's like when we finally understand stoichiometry and then we can help the person next to us who doesn't understand. We begin to be the teacher when it clicks in our own heads. The disciples are now the teachers. They are going to go share the love of Christ with the world. We just watched a video We just watched a video about kingdom expansion, sharing the the good news of Jesus with Texas and with the world. This is our call, and so it was theirs. They finally recognized Jesus, and their eyes were open so that they could go and proclaim this good news. They were witnesses to Jesus' saving power. But now, Jesus must go. How are they going to do this without Jesus? Jesus has been guiding them these whole few years. They've been following and watching. They've been getting power through through Jesus himself. But Jesus reminds them that they don't have to do this on their own. Verse 49, Jesus says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. In Luke's account, Jesus doesn't explicitly say the Holy Spirit, but we know in these vague terms, it's clear his intention. The promise of my Father upon you. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the gift, the comforter, the helper. He explains this in his other version of the coming of the Holy Spirit, as we talked about for Pentecost in Acts 2. Luke is the same author for this passage and the one in Acts. This is a promised helper and comforter that is going to live in and among the disciples as they share the good news. This was all part of the plan. Out of God's unending love for his people, he not only sent his son to the earth to be emptied, to die, to die a very gruesome death, to be humbled, and to be raised to new life for our salvation. But he also sends his spirit to guide and comfort his people so that when we're stuck on those passages of scripture, the Holy Spirit can work in our hearts and minds for us to understand because it is through the power of the spirit that our eyes are opened. Jesus knew that we would lose our way and get distracted and forget. So the promise of the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost Sunday. According to God's plan and will, Jesus must leave the earth so that the work would be complete, that the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus for the sins of the world would be final and done. Jesus departed so that he could be nearer. That feels a little counterintuitive. By Jesus, but it's so that the Spirit can come and so that he can dwell, the Spirit can dwell in us. Ephesians 3 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Jesus leaves, but the Spirit remains. 
What joy we have in the promise of the Lord to send his spirit to live in us. So we see in these final three verses, after Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, he tells the disciples to go and proclaim this good news of forgiveness from sin. He takes them to Bethany, just a few miles outside of Jerusalem, to the place where he has taught them before. Just a few weeks before, they were there in the Mount of Olives as Jesus was crying in the garden, preparing for his arrest and crucifixion. He returns there with the disciples, and his last words to them are a blessing. Just like we do here at the end of each service, we raise our hands to receive a blessing from the Lord. That blessing is not from the pastor giving it, Pastor Bob or myself or any of the other pastors. It is words of scripture to you from God, a blessing as you leave. Jesus raises his hands and blesses the disciples. See, God has continually pursued his people in blessing. From the beginning of creation, when he created man and woman in the garden in Genesis 1, and he says it is very good, the very first thing that he says is that the Lord blesses them. And then again, we see Abraham is blessed by God, promised that God will continue to bless his people forever and ever. Blessings are scattered throughout our scriptures. And as we see, God continues to bless his people even when they fall away and mess up and sin and get discouraged and frustrated. So Jesus prepares to leave this earth to return to the Father and he blesses his disciples. And he parts from them and was carried up to heaven. He ascends to the Father we might expect the disciples would be sad. Wouldn't you be sad? Jesus, whom you followed, Jesus, whom you love, was leaving. He'd already died. They'd had to grieve his death. They were confused and sad and lost. And now what? But we see here in verse 52 that they, the disciples, worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Jesus was gone, and yet they continued to worship joyfully. They were no longer sad because they understood that God's promises were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. They had the hope of the helper to come, the Holy Spirit, and they had a hope that Jesus would return, another promise of God. The disciples knew that this was not the end. There was a hope for a new future. Remember, whenever you visit a family member or friend and you have to leave and you feel sad, the best thing that makes you feel better is to plan the next trip, right? When I was in college, I remember my parents leaving and I would, we always had the next trip planned. Oh, I'll see you in eight weeks. I'll see you in three months. I'll see you whenever's the next time. It makes the leaving not so sad. Jesus promises, promises to return. He promises that he would be nearer to them by sending a comforter. The eternal work continues as Jesus is reunited with the Father in heaven. And Christ promises to return for the redemption of the world. And in the meantime, we get to share the good news of Jesus with the world, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Actually, the Holy Spirit does the work in and through us. It is nothing that we can do or earn. If left to our own devices, we will fall short. 
We will be stuck in sin. We will not be able to do it. So praise God for his spirit to live in and through us, to do the work of sharing God's love with this world. Their grief turned to joy, and they worshiped God in the temple. Today, we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today, we celebrate God's eternal plan. It includes us for, his, for our salvation. We must acknowledge that living this side of heaven is difficult and painful. In this in-between time between Christ's death and resurrection from the cross, his ascension into heaven, and when Christ returns, we live in a world that is still broken. Sin is still in existence, and we experience grief and loss. And like the disciples, we're not always able to see the big picture. We don't always understand why things happen to us. We ask God, why do bad things continue to happen in our world? As Bob prayed earlier, this week, this weekend, is a poignant one. As we pass the one-year anniversary of the devastating shooting in Uvalde, we are grieved by the darkness in this world. In addition, each Memorial Day, we remember the lives of those who have died protecting our freedoms. We miss them. We're grieved that our world is divided and war-torn. Some days I just wake up and say, come, Lord Jesus, free us from this brokenness. And here's the truth. God has promised freedom. Through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we do not live without hope for a future, a promise of Christ's return, the Holy Spirit with us now, and the promise of what's to come. We live with an eternal mindset that in the dark moments we see light because of Jesus Christ. God continues to bless us as Jesus blessed his disciples before he returned to the Father. And even when we can't see the whole picture, we know that God is there. Do you know that God is there? Even in the pain, even in the darkness, even when we mess up, we are offered forgiveness and freedom. This is not, Jesus' ascension was not the end of the story. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. As we cling to the scriptures, we remember the word of God in our hearts the Holy Spirit illuminates that word so that we might understand and so that we might share this great truth with the world around us. So on this Pentecost Sunday, let us worship with joy. Even when we feel sad, let us have hope for the future. May the Holy Spirit empower us to do the work of, of the Lord and we remember that God is near and we have eternal hope in his saving power. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us through Christ Jesus, your son. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives within us to guide us and comfort us and help us as we do the work that you've set out for us to do. You have commissioned us to share your love with the world even in the darkness and pain, even though we're not perfect, Lord, you use us for your glory. And we pray that your spirit would transform our hearts so that we might grow more and more into your likeness.
to share the good news of Jesus with the whole world. We thank you for your love. It's in your son's name that we pray.